Hey, what's going on everybody? It's Sam and welcome back. Um, today I want to do um, a study on the Bride of Christ and um, the Body of Christ. Because I think sometimes uh, we get some a uh, little bit of a misunderstanding. So I want to clear that some things up, hopefully. Um, once again, I'm going to go to the Blue Letter Bible, Blue Letter, uh, Blue Letter Bible dot org. And um, today I, uh, I've got a, a whole bunch of verses that um, I want to collect together. OK, and uh, I do want to show you this on the Blue Letter Bible. Um, let me switch. There we go. Um, you can see, well, it's behind me. Okay, but over here on the right-hand side, um, you'll notice it has a multiple verse retrieval. Okay, and I've already um, copied all of my verses that I'm going to be looking at today, um, which is quite a few. <laughs> We're going to try to run through these. Um, and then, of course, you can, oh, let me, right there, okay, so you can see it. Okay, and you can choose your translation. Um, I am going to be sticking to the King James Version today because I feel like it is a more uh, accurate translation to study. So we click Retrieve. So let's look at um, an example where we see um, in the Bible it's talking about being married to God. Um, so we can find that in, we find it right here in Isaiah, um, chapter 54, verses 5 and 6. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of thy host, his name and the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and wife of youth, when thou wast refuse, saith thy God. And again, in Israel 62, and Isaiah, not Israel, in Isaiah 62, 5, um, he says, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall the sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Um, we've also got some mentions in Jeremiah 3, um, 14. Right here where it says, For I am married unto you, and I will take you um, one of a city and two of a family and bring you to Zion. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33 um, is another time where it talks about um, being married to God. Um, so behold the days, saith the Lord, while well, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day. I took them by hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, saith the Lord, and he'll put their law in their hearts. Um, Hosea, the story of Hosea, uh, God uses Hosea, the prophet, his personal life um, as an object lesson to instruct um, the idolatrous Israel. Um, the story of, of Hosea is that he marries a prostitute and it's not so much that the idea of her being a literal prostitute but it is about the idolatry and uses the story in Hosea as an example of Israel and their idolatry and basically they're them prostituting themselves to other gods instead of the one living God I mean if you search 
Bride of Christ, you're not going to find it. You know, um, we have this in the NLT, and it's from Second uh, uh, Corinthians, where it just happens to have those words all in this verse. Um, they're not even in the same sentence. So um, we get this idea of the Bride of Christ in, in Revelation most often. And the book of Revelation reads like an Old Testament book. All right, most of its symbols and imagery are found in the prophets. So it's like the same kind of stuff that they're talking about, that John is talking about in Revelation. It's very similar stuff that they're talking about in the Old Testament and with the prophets. So to a discerning reader, it should be clear that Jesus' message to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, they're Jewish churches. Um, they're not of the body of Christ is what I mean. Uh, the language that the Lord used Towards them has no correspondence to the language or the concepts that Paul received and communicated to uh, his churches or to the churches that he wrote to. Whenever John wrote to these seven churches, to uh, he wrote them to encourage them in the tribulation they were experiencing. Um, no hint of the gospel or the doctrines of grace may be found in Jesus's words to these churches. Um, a main topic or a main uh, headline in the conversation going on there is that he that um, endures he that has an ear let him hear um, he that perseveres those things are not present in Paul's writings um, it's not about uh, persevering if you look at um, the warnings um, that Jesus gave the churches in Revelation are very similar to the warnings that he gave uh, to the twelve on the Mount of Olives in Matthew uh, chapter 24 right here in Matthew and Jesus answered and said to them take heed that no man deceive you uh, verse 11 and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many for there shall arise many false Christs um, in verse 13 but he that shall endure to the end shall be saved um, and here we are in Revelation um, 14 Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The book does not mention the body of Christ, just like the rest of the, the New Testament uh, Jewish epistles or even the, the four gospels. Um, there's no mention of, of the body of Christ in any of those books. You'll only find it in um, Paul's epistles. Let's look at Revelation 19, 7 through 9. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and the wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they that are called upon the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, Those, uh, These are true sayings of God. So he's talking about um, this marriage of the Lamb where we read that the bride has to make herself ready. She must be ready to receive her husband. Um, in order to be ready to receive the husband, she must endure to the end. You know, um, you must do these things that are, that are talked about in, in Matthew 24 and in Revelation. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Uh, where we have Paul talking about the body of Christ. And in it he says, uh, you, are com uh, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Um, Revelation 21, 1, 
uh, says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, John described a new heaven and a new earth, and to replace the old heaven and earth which has departed. Along with the new heaven and the new earth is the new Jerusalem. Okay, it comes down from heaven unto the new earth. John described the city as a bride adorned for her husband. In Revelation 2, 9, one of the seven angels of the, bowl, of the seven bowls shows John the bride called the wife of the lamb. This, um, this was this new Jerusalem. Um, once again, everything in it is Jewish. Uh, the city has 12 gates with 12 names of the 12, uh, of the 12 tribes of Israel written on them. And the wall was broad and high, and the twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on those gates. Okay, that's just a scripture reference to it. So the twelve foundations of the stones have the names of the twelve apostles. That's in Revelation 21, 14. Nothing of the church, which is his body, the, the body of Christ, the church today, the body of Christ, is seen anywhere in this book. Um, the only apostle that ever preached the body of Christ is not mentioned here. Um, these 12 apostles um, that were chosen as representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel, Paul is not the representative of the tribe of Benjamin. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28.1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and observe to all of his commands which I command thee, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all nations. The Jews would have a place on earth above all other nations. Gentile means nations. So it says that the Jews would have a place over all Gentiles. Even though they have earthly promises, they still have a, uh, a heavenly calling. And we can see that in uh, Hebrews 3.1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of this heavenly calling, considering the, the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, so what did their heavenly calling look like exactly? Let's look again in Hebrews 11, uh, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. So he didn't know where he was going. He was just trusting in God. By faith, he sojourned into the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs, the heirs with him of the same promise. They're the ones that have the promises. You understand that? It's those three men. God gave them promises. For he looked for a city with hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. So even then, Abraham was looking for a city. Um, Isaac and Jacob, they're looking for this city that God is promising them on earth. Um, so what's the difference between what God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to all of Israel What's the difference between that and what God has given to the body of Christ? Let's look at Ephesians 1.18. For one thing, it says, The eyes of your understanding will being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what riches are the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us 
in Christ Jesus before the world began. Not according to our works. There's nothing you can do. You can't endure long enough to be saved. Not today. Not in this age of grace. You can't. It doesn't matter how long you endure. If you don't accept Christ, um, if you don't trust in the gospel, if you don't believe that, that Christ was uh, crucified, that he was crucified for your sins, um, that he died on that cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to scripture, it won't matter how long you endure. It doesn't matter how much you believe in God. If you don't trust in Christ, if you don't believe the work that he did, um, it's not going to matter because none of those things are good enough. Not today. God's promises to the church body of Christ are heavenly and they're not earthly. We see this in, um, let's look at Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Right now. Um, Ephesians 2.6 And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wait till Christ comes back for this. You understand? Let's look at Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven. Our conversations today are supposed to be in heaven. From whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to read his word and to get to know his word. Because you don't even know what in the world you're supposed to be talking about. If you don't know him, if you don't know his word, then we don't even understand what our conversation should really even be about. Um, he's the only one that can help us with that and show us that. And he's given us his word so that we have a clue. Excuse me. Paul taught that the church was the body of Christ and that the believers become members of his body through a baptism of the Holy Spirit, setting them into his body into Christ's body, the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, and 23 say, um, and hath all things under his feet given to him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body to the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. Uh, Colossians 1, 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And that in all things he might have preeminence, who now rejoice in the sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been made to drink into one spirit. That's what that is right there. Boom. So how is it then um, that most of Christendom either teaches that the church is the bride of Christ or it's implicated that we are the bride of Christ? Um, some people like to say that Paul taught that we are the bride of Christ. And that's typically that is someone taking his this verse right here out of context. Let's look at Second Corinthians 11 and 2. For I am, <clears throat> excuse me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin. So if you read that verse out of context, you can come up with the idea of the body of Christ being presented as a chaste virgin, um, as the, the bride of Christ. But let's look at it in context, okay? So we're going to look at all of it. So let's look at... 2 Corinthians 11, 
Would to God be to bear with me in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. But I fear, lest any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so you, so that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye have received spirit which we have not received, or another gospel which is which ye have not accepted, ye might bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Um, Paul's point to these Corinthians is to stay faithful to Christ and to his gospel. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4, because this is the gospel that saves. This is the gospel that Paul preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also you have received, and where you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep your memory which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to Scripture. That is the, that is the, that is the gospel. That's the gospel that saves today. Um, nowhere in the Bible is a prayer that says to ask Jesus into your heart. What we are taught is that we are to trust that and we are to know that and we are to believe that because that is the gospel that saves. It says this is what saves you right there in verse two. He says, by which also you are saved. Unless you believe in vain. The Lord commissioned Paul to re and, and revealed secrets to him um, that no one else knew. The body of Christ was not given to Peter. Um, the body of Christ was given to Paul. Paul's choice of words to the Corinthians to present you as a pure virgin was to illustrate his desire for holy living for these believers, not to teach the church as the bride of Christ any more than Paul taught he was their mother. <laughs> okay, look at Galatians uh, 4.19 right there. Okay, once again, right here in 1 Corinthians 4.15, I mean, you have to look at these things in context. Um, and let's put it where it's supposed to be. And, and let's let's have a, a proper understanding for what the scriptures are, are actually saying. Um, so understand when Paul quoted uh, Genesis 2, chapter, uh, verse 24, uh, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. They shall be one flesh. Not to make a point about the husband-wife relationship or that the church is the bride of Christ, but to emphasize the unity of Christ and his care for the body. Paul declared this was a great secret, but he spoke with reference to Christ and his church. The wife and bride are titles that belong to Israel, okay? They don't belong to us, the church today, the body of Christ. Our title is the body of Christ. As Christ's body, we are of the bridegroom, okay? Not the bride. If you can't tell the difference between the groom and the bride at a wedding, it's going to be pretty confusing, right? That's kind of what we got going on here today is so often we don't know the difference between the bride and the groom, you know? I heard it said this way, what's better than being in God's hand? Being God's hand. 
You understand that? That's the role that we have as the body of Christ. God wishes believers to understand who they are and where they fit in his plan. Because we all fit. You, we don't have to use somebody else's promises. God has given us our own. Um, when we do, we can rejoice in grace that God has given to us. We can rejoice in the grace that God has given to us and serve and honor him effectively. Um, simply, simply put, I, I want us to, to understand that there's a difference between the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. Just like there's a difference between the nation of priests and the body of Christ. Um, these are different things, you know. They have their own meanings. They have their own promises. Um, we today are part of the body of Christ. It took me a while to understand the differences and, and how to rightly divide the scripture, like it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, but these are one of the, this is one of those things that, that I've learned. Um, but this is a lot. There's a whole lot that's going on here. Um, and I, I ran through it real quick. You know, um, if you ever have questions, you can email me at I am Uncle Sam at gmail.com or um, you can find me on Facebook, Uncle Sam Presents, um, message me or whatever, you know. Um, God doesn't want us to be confused, you know. He wants us to talk about these things. Um, so I, I hope that I cleared up some things. Maybe you have more questions now than you did before, which I know I had a lot of questions. You know, I've spent the last few years in, uh, I say in therapy, you know, but I, I've, I've been practicing this stuff for a while. So often it, it seems like we get messages that tickle our ears and um, that's not the, the goal of the gospel. You know, it's to save your life. Um, it's not to make you feel better, although you will feel better. The aim is just like when we were studying the word repent. The aim there is to change your mind, to change your life. You know, your actions will come along with, you know, if you believe a lie, your thoughts are incorrect, your emotions are darkened, and your behavior is displeasing to God. It's also going to be displeasing to all the people around you. So for the sake of yourself and for everyone around you, let's figure out which lies we're believing and let's learn the truth um, so that we can replace those lies. I love you guys. Thank you for your time. Um, share this video. Um, like, comment, and subscribe. Um, have a blessed day. You know, thank you. Thank you very much.